0: up everybody welcome back to through the smoke a miami hurricanes podcast here on the 24 7 sports network I'm Andrew ivins joined on this monday by david lake david we had a scrimmage uh, over the weekend uh so football is kind of here uh, we're going to yeah. talk about that on this podcast before we get into that though how was how was the weekend
1: it was good man yeah I, I feel like after our last podcast there's no place to go but down you know with with greg rousseau it was that was a good one i thought and uh you know if, if you all have not checked that one out i would strongly encourage you to to give that a listen but luckily like you said we have a scrimmage to talk about and it was definitely a, a good session from everything we've heard so far so definitely uh to me, it feels like football's in the air finally. Like, it finally kind of feels like it now. And, uh, you know, hopefully that that extends into September and throughout the fall.
0: Yeah. Uh, on that Greg Russo podcast, I don't think I've gotten as many text messages or, yeah, like, same. you know, people just saying how, how awesome if it, if it was. So, um, you know, if you guys have listened to it, you know, awesome. Uh, again, I think we try to say this as much as we can. Uh, thank you for the support with the yes. uh liking the podcast subscribing and just telling people about it um we've had some x ex- the growth has been ridiculous here recently so uh, yeah. that is definitely appreciated uh big time
1: yeah it was a good one greg i think provided valuable insight into the team and and honestly a lot of what he said lines up about what we've heard and you know what's been projected out there from the scrimmage so Yeah, we can get into the scrimmage here, too, if you want.
0: Uh, Okay, so Sunday night, Miami scrimmages Um, again, you know, all this stuff is closed doors. So we are only getting information through basically what UM wants to release in in terms of like actual numbers and and photos and video and all that. But I guess the big storyline, Miami's two freshman running backs, Jalen Knighton and Don Cheney. Had a monster uh, outing. I, I mean, really, they yeah. combined for over what was it? Over 180 yards, two touchdowns on 21 carries. And Greg said it on the podcast. He's like, "Yo, Jalen Knightman is the is the real deal." So, yeah, uh, this is encouraging, uh, I guess. I mean, yes. you know, I I guess like they're gonna need one of these guys to step up. But um, that that's the big,
1: I think, storyline coming out of that scrimmage. Yeah. And, and, you know, just talking to some people behind the scenes, you know, again, we weren't there. I didn't see any of this with my own two eyes. So I would say, take it with a grain of salt, all that good stuff on the front end here. But, uh, you know, Jalen Knighton, a lot of people continue to tell me he's, he's looking like the real deal. Kind of the, the constant theme with him is just, he doesn't seem like a freshman to anyone you know he, he's kind of just come in and this kind of dates back to the spring to be honest he's come in and made a very very smooth transition uh, from the high school level to the college level and that theme rang true again during this first scrimmage he you know Manny Diaz said he ripped off a 70 yard touchdown run uh, during, during this scrimmage so that big play ability is always a good thing just one, one takeaway, too, that was kind of relayed to me is, you know, with this new spread offense, we all kind of um, think about what it will mean for the passing game, and it's going to have a significant impact on the passing game, too. But kind of what's been said to me is, is maybe the biggest difference is, is actually in the, in the running attack. And, you know, Rhett Lashley comes from the Gus Malzon coaching tree. He's a protege of Gus Malzahn who runs a spread, but it is kind of a run-based spread that Gus Malzahn, uh, you know, coordinates on offense. Now, Rhett Lashley puts his own spin on things. He he implements some air raid principles as well with his offense, but running the ball, uh, you know, honestly, a power run attack is important to Rhett Lashley. And, you know, all this stuff, the combination of Derek King being a dual threat, working the zone read, the fact that they can play tempo, play at a fast tempo and tire out the defense when they, when they get in a rhythm. And, uh, you know, the, the talent of these new running backs is all kind of adding up to Miami's rushing attack. So far, looking much improved during this one week of camp, and it showed again during the scrimmage.
0: Yeah, I think on the social distance series that Rhett Lashley did with Twenty Four Seven Sports, uh, he called his offense a power spread. Right? That was yes, yeah. So uh, I do think that is kind of notable. What about? I mean, we again we weren't there, but I think kind of if you parse through the photos, you could figure out what the offensive line was, and it looked to be uh, uh, left. Oh, well, I guess what was it? Left tackle John Campbell. Left guard Delon Scape or, or, or is it Trey Orr, Os- okay, and then yeah. Scapes on the right side. Corey Gaynor, obviously your center. Um Osman at at right guard and then Jared Williams at right tackle. So it seems like uh, this is probably gonna be the combination because wh- what I did do is I went and I looked yes. back to the first scrimmage from last year's fall camp and kind of like what we had written. Um, we had hearing we're hearing that's when we first kind of figured out that Zion Nelson uh, and John Campbell were going to be given the run at at tackles and that's who they ended up rolling out there week zero against Florida so it seems like this is gonna be probably the five
1: yeah and what I've been told you know again this is all pretty broad just stuff that's been relayed to me but you know from what I've been told the offensive line kind of held its own Uh, the, the main point is that the offensive line looked much improved in terms of comparing where things were first scrimmage last fall camp. Uh, You know, I've been told it's night and day uh, when you compare it that way. Um, But yes, I agree. And Rhett Lashley said over the weekend, he would like this first scrimmage to be an opportunity to really get an idea about what he has on the offensive line. And, you know, from there, whether guys play up to the standard he wants or not, he hope, you know, if they do, which I kind of, it sounds like they did. um, That would be kind of his starting group between now and game one. He wants to build, he, he wants the group to gel and have that continuity. So, you know, really, honestly, the, the first team, those those guys you named, not too much of a surprise. Maybe the only surprise, and really it sounds like this was kind of the only open job, was at left guard with Usman Treyor there. So it sounds like Usman has an edge over Zion Nelson, who got some burn there, and then Ja'Kai Clark, who was a starter at guard last year. But just reading between the lines, it kind of seems like offensive line coach Garen Justice likes Ja'Kai Clark more as a center, which I frankly agree with. Now that means Ja'Kai Clark is going to have to be the backup center and probably be patient for playing time in the future, et cetera. But for now it sounds like that first team offensive line, that's what they're going to roll with. And uh, you know, like I said, so far so good in terms of, how this new system is helping that group be better on the field. Uh, Unofficial numbers for Derek
0: King in the scrimmage, 15 of 26 for 187 yards, four touchdowns. Also ran the ball five times for 25 yards. Uh, I've seen some some chatter just kind of about that completion percentage number. I I don't think it's as high as some people hoped it would be, but seems like it's still a pretty solid showing um, for Mr. King, I mean, uh, Manny's comments seem to be pretty good. And let's go back to this time last year after the first scrimmage, it was
1: like, uh, right, we're still trying to find our quarterback. So, um, I, I mean, mean, honestly, I, I, like that, that completion percentage is what 57% and change, right? Honestly, I kind of think that's what it's gonna be if you're overly concerned with completion percentage. Um, You know, I've kind of made my point clear on what I expect Derek to be this year at Miami. And, and, you know, is that efficiency stat, that particular efficiency stat going to be elite, elite? I would probably say no, but I think he's going to generate big plays. He's going to limit turnovers and account for a ton of touchdowns. Um, So if he does those things, but the completion percentage is is around that 58% mark, I think that's something you got to take all day, right? Yeah, no. Uh,
0: and the other one, Nikosi Perry won 8 of 13 for 140 yards and a touchdown. So, yeah. um, I, I I, I mean, we don't know what the other uh, few quarterbacks did. I mean, we don't really know if Tate Martell got much run or or Tyler Van Dyke or, or Peyton Matocha. Right. But uh seems like if you combined the King and Perry's numbers, that maybe would be well, – I mean, that would give you a higher percentage.
1: I'd be surprised if the backup isn't going to be Perry, Um, Manny. On the radio this morning, on Joe Rose, he kind of insinuated that Tyler Van Dyke, uh, you know, needed some time to adjust to the speed of the game in in the scrimmage, which is fair. Like that should be expected. It's you know we all have to remember too. Like this is the first scrimmage of the twenty twenty calendar for this team. They weren't. They didn't scrimmage back in the spring. They had scrimmage situations, uh, you know, periods during practices in the spring, but this is the first true scrimmage of this whole year. Um, and to touch on your point, you know, some things I was told was, you know, the offense the biggest takeaway, I guess, is kind of what I'm hinting at now with, you know, if, if I had told you that Miami was installing a new offense, A whole totally different style of offense and wasn't able to scrimmage up until this point wasn't able to have a regular off season, of course. Basically, I was told you wouldn't have realized it from what you saw Sunday night so And honestly, I think that's a credit to Derek King, who is a fifth year senior quarterback veteran guy his he's played in this style of offense so You know, we, we always talk about how important the quarterback position is. I think in this case, it has definitely helped, uh, you know, transition from last year's offense to this year's offense, making that smooth and it showed up on Sunday night. Doesn't sound like Brevin
0: Jordan played just because we haven't seen his name listed in anything, but will Mallory, uh, four catches for 71 yards and a touchdown. I, someone I talked with, um, they brought up two names when I asked like who balled out and uh, it was Knighton and uh, uh, Will Mallory. So I think that's a good sign
1: for him. No doubt. And and yeah, I, I heard the same thing, right? So, I mean, I just think Will Mallory's finally going to be able to show his athleticism in this spread uh, because, you know, he's going to be able to line up more in the slot. Uh, I think in, in, the, in the last offense, he was asked to block a lot, uh, play as you know, that quote-unquote traditional in-line tight end, and, and he's still going to do some of that in this offense, but he's going to be moved around much more. He's going to be, you know, Will Mallory's at his best when, he, when he's able to get that full head of steam going with his running ability because once he hits his full stride, He's very, very dangerous. And this offense is going to find ways to utilize him in that way, whether that's, you know, working the seam or working the underneath routes, crossing routes. Um, And, yeah, it, it, it definitely showed up again on Sunday, obviously from the stats, four catches for 71 yards and a touchdown, and then you and I both hearing that, you know, beyond that. Uh, got to mention the receivers as well. Um,
0: Mike Harley, two catches, both of which resulted in touchdowns. Jeremiah Payton, three catches, 26 yards, and a score. Uh, Mark Pope, three catches. D Wiggins had a 41 yard catch. Michael Redding, uh, the third, three catches for 41 yards. You know, he's fully healthy. I um, remember back in the spring, he was dealing with a, uh, what was it, a wrist or a uh, yeah, a, yeah. So, um, you know. There's, there's some, it seems like wealth was spread around. Yeah. Um,
1: that's all I heard. Like I didn't hear like anything like crazy, super amazing in terms of this guy was phenomenal, but that's kind of the theme I heard with the receivers. Just the ball was spread around. Um, and, and honestly, I think that's what Rob Likens, the wide receivers coach kind of envisions with this group. It's going to be a, you know, whoever's open, get the ball there quick. Because you know I don't know if there's necessarily a number one receiver this year um, that will emerge I think there's guys with number one receiver talent so we'll see but if that doesn't happen I think it's going to be fine in terms of you know they all have some talent some speed so if the balls just spread around to them quickly and, and they get the ball in space they can they can make some plays which is what happens Sunday night
0: uh, before we get into the the Defensive side of the ball, I, I we were talking about quarterbacks, and I, I meant to ask you this because you have kind of mentioned this to me uh, off air a few different times. You know, Miami has Derek King and Nikosi Perry, and I think you've made this argument that you think Miami probably has one of the better quarterback rooms, not only in the yeah. ACC, but maybe maybe nationally. Is that is that
1: something? I think it's underrated, right? So, you know, I, I think people might bristle at that because, you know – they might not be Nicosi Perry fans, which, which I think is, is understandable from what we've seen. But I think if you, if you change your mindset and look at Nicosi as a backup quarterback that has a lot of experience as a starter and has won some tough games, you know, look at Virginia last year. Virginia went on to win the Coastal Division. Uh, Nicosi started that game against Virginia, led the Hurricanes to a win. He's beaten Florida State in the past. Um, so he has started. I think it's fair to say, too, Nikosi does have uh, talent as, as a passer. Um, so, look, am I saying I necessarily want Nikosi to be my full-time starting quarterback? No. But do I feel good about Nikosi Perry as the backup quarterback to De'Eric King? Yes, no doubt. Definitely. I would take that one, two punch over a lot of quarterback rooms in the country right now. I would say, you know, in the ACC, I'd probably only put Clemson above them. Right. Cause you got Trevor right. Lawrence, of course. And then, you know, and, and, let's be real Clemson's backup DJ Ugalele, or, or however you pronounce his last name. I think he, it, that's pretty close. <laughs> he's uh you know, he's a five-star talent and all day he, he is that talented, but we don't know what he is yet. Um, we do know what Nikosi Perry is. And yes, there are limitations there, but he's still been in the fire. A- and I think that is extremely valuable in a backup quarterback.
0: Uh, let's take a quick break. Other side, get into some defensive standouts from this scrimmage on uh, Sunday night.
1: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Okay, David, we are back. Um, when I was gathering information, I seemed to hear more about the defensive side of the ball than I did uh, maybe on offense. Okay. And I got to start right right where I'm at. Heard Cam Williams had a big Ooh. scrimmage. My, my guy. I know, I know Manny. Manny brought him up in his post-practice video interview, uh, yes. but I was told by someone that he had a very—he's had a very strong uh, first week of practices, which you
1: know, yeah, got me fired up. It does sound like it's trending towards him uh, being that fourth defensive end in the playing rotation, right? So, top two guys: Jalen Phillips, Quincy Rocher. The third guy, Jafari Harvey, I think those three are kind of set in stone. The fourth job's up for grabs, which, in my opinion, is pretty important because Miami has shown during this Manny Diaz era, they will play their fourth defensive end in the playing rotation 25 to 30 snaps a game. So that guy plays a significant amount. Uh, And it does seem like Cam Williams is emerging as that guy, which I think is a good sign because he is – you know the other the other guys contending for that job are true freshmen and I do think they're talented true freshmen but they're still true freshmen and, and on the line of scrimmage you want age now Cam Williams is a redshirt freshman so he only has one more year of experience at the college level compared to those other guys but I think that year is valuable um, you know like I said when you're playing on the line of scrimmage so if Cam Williams does emerge as that number four defensive end, I think that's that's kind of the way you would want it if if you're a defensive coach at Miami.
0: And It seems like the biggest competition is for that fourth role is Chance Williams, who yeah. uh, had a monster um, scrimmage, and it's probably because he was working with the Correct. second team units, and, and and that's Chance Williams, the, the true freshman, former top one hundred kid. Who um, was dinged up in spring, but now he's he's fully healthy. He had five tackles and two sacks. Right. Um, so,
1: yeah, I, I mean that, that one of the things that was about, notable. It is one of the things about the no, the scrimmage though that is also worth noting is, you know, when you when you see backups having big time stats, most likely they are also going against backups. So, you know, it's I'm not downplaying anything Chance Williams did when he was on the field, he made plays that's significant. That will definitely catch the, the eye of the coaches uh, no matter what. But I do think it is fair to point out, you know, if a, if a backup puts up big stats, he's probably also going against backups just, you know, to provide context. Uh,
0: one more defensive end. I want to mention, cause this, this was an exact quote uh, Jalen Phillips, a quote unquote effing animal. Um, just from what he's done, I guess the past week or so, I mean, we know Greg Russo mentioned that he's seen Jalen do a a full backflip and, uh, just talked about how he's progressed. I I think they they only credited him with two tackles and a sack, but it seems like, um, you know, he has flipped the switch and there's a chance he could live up to, uh, that number. I mean, he was a five-star recruit. Like I remember... (sighs) when i covered notre dame and like he was a huge target for notre dame and it was like oh my god are they gonna get him uh and it's just crazy uh that there's a chance you know he's gonna be something like that
1: and i think that's just absolutely huge yeah not only was the the five-star recruit he was the number one overall player in the country according (laughs) to the composite so i mean elite elite talent and yes uh it does sound like he's putting it all together I know Manny Diaz this morning on the radio essentially said, you know, he was actually talking about how the offensive line performed. And he said, you know, Derek King only got sacked twice and they were both just kind of freaky plays by Jalen Phillips, to be honest. So he was, he was saying the offensive line played well, but the freaky athleticism of Jalen Phillips just took over on a couple plays and, and got Derek King, um, you know, on a tag sack. So yeah, I mean, and, and the, the takeaway, like you touched on, I think when you're the number one overall pick, five-star talent coming out of high school, you're, you're essentially uh, saying that guy has a chance to be a first round draft pick. And Jalen Phillips has always had that physical talent, Um, first round draft pick, physical talent. Now we're kind of seeing him put it all together. Uh, He not only played well in the scrimmage, Manny made it clear. He played well all week of practice. So he is engaged. He's because let's be real too. I think he, I think it's fair to say he fell out of love with football towards the end of his UCLA career. So he's kind of renewed that love of the game and you know now he's he's ready to show what he can do and i think i think between him and Quincy Roche Miami still got some game wreckers off the edge even though they have obviously lost Greg Russo for this year
0: last guy um that someone mentioned to me was Gervin Hall and um one of the UM Athletic stories mentioned that he had a, a team high seven yeah. tackles but it seems like he um I mean he's going he's going to be what a junior. He could emerge as yeah. you know one of the real key
1: players on, on defense. I'm high on Gervin. I I thought last year he had a good year. Like we got to remember the last year Gervin was a first-year starter as a sophomore. Um and you know did he have some ups and downs? Sure, but I thought for the most part he was he was pretty consistent. He he's the type of safety that You know, does have range and he will come up and strike you as a tackler, like you feel his presence when he hits you. So one year later, he should only be more confident, uh, more aware of his assignments and what he's doing out there. And and also, quite frankly, bigger, faster, stronger after another year in the strength conditioning program. So that's definitely good news. I know I'm curious and and honestly, I don't have answers yet. I'm hoping to get some, but we'll see. (laughs) I'm curious how the corners looked. I, I haven't been able to get much on that. Um, right. Same. You know, we hear about how good the receivers did as a group. We heard about how D Eric King did, you know, Nikosi Perry, both those guys played pretty well. It just makes you think on the flip side. Okay. How did the corners look? I can't get any answers yet, but hopefully we can get some clarity on that soon.
0: Well Marcus Clark, the freshman, did have a
1: interception. Yeah. Um That's good. And look, I, that's that they brought him in. One of the reasons why Mike Rumpf liked him is because of his ball skills, right? So he, he was a receiver in high school and the fact that he got an interception on his first scrimmage at the college level, that's that's obviously a good sign.
0: What are you making of this linebacker thing? Uh <laughs> again, stats provided Corey Flagg, four tackles and a sack. Sam Brooks, five tackles and a sack. Wayne and Steed, five tackles. Um, We know McLeod's going to occupy one of the spots. What do you – you know, it it seems like my guess, and again, I I don't really Uh know, is probably McLeod Uh didn't play much. Go ahead. No, no, no. no, Don't scare me. Don't scare me. No, no, no. I'm saying, you know, these guys probably got all these tackles because they didn't play McLeod and they just want to – uh, you know, they're trying to, I mean, that's the first college scrimmage, like you said, for Corey Flag and, and whatnot. So it seems like
1: that's where they're getting so much run. I think that's fair. I thought you were going to go down this path that, I mean, I think it's worth thinking about and talking about. I personally disagree with this direction if, if this is the way it's going to go. But, you know, lately they're talking – they're talking up uh, uh, Bradley Jennings a lot, right? BJ Jennings who, you know, had a significant leg injury uh, during a, a spring scrimmage in 2019, so that, no- that knocked him out of the 2019 season. He's been rehabbing ever since that spring of 2019 and all by all accounts, he, he's back healthy, uh, back to kind of where he was um, prior to the injury. So I, you know, my antenna is kind of up. I'm wondering, like, is BJ Jennings now in contention to be a starter? Because we do know, you know, Manny, the defensive staff in general, defer to older guys who clearly know the defense, clearly know what to do. Um, So I'm just, I'm kind of curious, and I, I don't know the answer to this, to be honest, like how much first team action is Bradley Jennings getting right now. Um, But yes, I I do think in general, the linebackers, like you alluded to, they are pleased with the depth that is showing right now. They feel good about the freshmen, Corey Flagg, Tyreek Austin Cave, Sam Brooks, they're still high on. Um, So I think the overall takeaway is the depth is better than maybe they expected um, in this going into this camp. I'm just curious what this, the two starters are looking like right now, because they are talking up Bradley Jennings a lot. What's your take on that, on the talking up of Br- Bradley Jennings? Well,
0: I, I guess, I mean, this kind of applies to everything we've talked about. Um, I think Manny's a very calculated coach. So there's a reason why certain things are said and released to the media. Yeah. um like while while why certain names are are put out there and others aren't I mean I don't know I, I was gonna ask you like handicap it right now who give me your best Las Vegas odds like who do you think has the best odds to be uh week one linebacker next to um Zach McLeod because I thought for a while it would be Sam Brooks
1: but it seems like you think the odds on uh. favor right now might be Bradley Jennings I'm not saying that I'm still going to stick with what I think is the correct thing to do. And I still think Sam Brooks should be the guy. Um, I'm just kind of saying maybe we should be paying more attention to Bradley Jennings. So it, I think it's something to keep an eye on for the rest of, of fall camp. Last
0: thing I got from the scrimmage, Jose Borgales hit a 49 yard field goal, six for six on extra points. Um, I mean, he's not kicking in front of a crowd, but who knows if he even will be in this season. Uh, but that's, that's still big. No
1: doubt. Um, you know, I think we get so caught up in the offense and defense, and fairly so, like that's what matters most. But, you know, we remember last year they lost how many games because of, you know, quite frankly, easy kicks. How many, how many field goals of 30 yards or less – was Miami not able to convert and you know how many of those misses happened in one score games last year especially in the first half of the season so yeah Jose Borregal hitting a 49 yard field goal obviously a good a good thing and one of the takeaways just with Jose in general it does seem like you know he brings a pro mentality to that spot the place kicking field goal spot and that's kind of a, a change, I think, from, from the past couple of years. You know, Jose just carries himself like a pro. Um, and so I think the general sense is that's, that's kind of been shored up here this offseason. Now, with kickers, you never know till it's, till it's game day. Um, but I think everyone's feeling very good about where things are right now with Jose kicking field goals has
0: Miami said what the schedule moving forward is? Are they going to do a second uh, scrimmage? Do we
1: know when that's coming? They have not. I mean, I, I do think they're going to have another scrimmage, but you know, honestly, everything, (laughs) you know, unfortunately for us in terms of planning, what we, what content we're doing and and et cetera, et cetera. uh, We're not given much heads up on anything in terms of scheduling and, and all that stuff with practices. So, um, you know, no one wants to hear me complain about that type of stuff.
0: I'm I'm just, I'm just bringing it up because the second scrimmage is normally of preseason camp is when, uh, some roster or not depth chart moves are normally made. I remember last year coming out of it, that's when Jaron Williams became the starting
1: quarterback. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, I think there's going to be one more. And then after that, they start, UAB prep right so there'll still be scrimmage situations but it'll be a lot of like scout team type stuff as they prepare for UAB so I would expect one more scrimmage to happen I can't tell you when that would be I'm kind of done trying to guess because you know we'll see I, I just don't know so I, I do think they'll have another scrimmage though at some point uh any anything else you want to get
0: into before? we uh, wrap this thing up
1: well should we get into I just want to pick your brain and you know you can just say whatever you want to say but there was a crystal ball dropped on 24-7 from uh, USF I guess recruiting writer Um, his name is JJ Garrett right so he he dropped a crystal ball for Jake Garcia you know, Miami's top quarterback target right now, who is committed to USC, transferred to Valdosta High School recently to, to play a football season this fall, because in California, they're not going to play high school football this fall, but in Georgia, they will. So obviously, when, when that type of crystal ball happens, it, it catches the attention of everyone in the UM fan base, you know, beyond our, our message board. So, I guess just what what is your reaction to that crystal ball what What would you say about that uh i
0: mean my my takeaway is like I think that should be viewed as more of a projection as in term instead of something that uh is imminent uh or anything like that like I don't think because that crystal ball pick went in, we should expect. Uh, Jake Garcia to flip to Miami here in the next week or so now I'm not saying that that can't happen it's recruiting things move at a different timeline but uh, I think JJ came on our site and kind of gave yeah. his reasoning and explained how uh, that the coach at Valdosta Rush Prost um, I think that's how you say his name or is it Prost or I think I, it's I, I Prost should. but honestly I don't know I mean, he was on MTV. I should, I should, I should know this. Yeah. Uh, you know, is familiar with Rhett Lashley from Rhett Lashley's time at Auburn. Um, pointed out how Jake has moved across the country, and yeah, like, look, a, a lot. I agree with a, a lot of those things, and um, I asked it's some trending people. Trending in a good way. That's, yeah, that's what I would say. It's trending in a good way. We, we we're seeing Miami's commits. Um, you know, I I, I think Romelo Brinson on Monday morning was tweeting about how. You got uh, all these receivers and a good offensive line, and and why not throw to those guys while you know the other side of the ball? you have a loaded defense under Manny Diaz. So I think it's trending in the right way. Um, you know, I I can't put it in a crystal ball pick because sure. mine mine was on Miami already when he, uh, you know, okay. f- uh, committed to the USC. I mean, let's go back to then. And, like there was people in his inside his camp. There were people at Miami that thought a year ago that Jake was going to go to Miami. And then uh, right. everything happened with USC in terms of Bryce Love, the five-star quarterback, he decommitted from USC, uh, went to Alabama, that opened the door for Jake Garcia to go to USC, he kind of beat everyone to the punch. So um, we we will see. And uh, you, you always have to remember that Jake has been at Miami twice before. He's, he's very, very familiar. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it'll be an interesting storyline to follow. but you know Miami can't go out there and lay an egg assuming
1: that we have right. a season like they're going to have to take care of business. And that's I think that's the biggest thing to remember in terms of Miami chasing Jake Garcia. So to get Jake Garcia, I think Miami's going to have to do its part on the field. You know, the offense is going to have to look good and and Miami's going to have to win uh, you know, relatively high amount of games whatever that means this fall. So, you know, Miami still, like you said, things are probably trending in a good way with with Jake. But at the end of the day, Miami still has to do its part, and there's, you know, there's time. Like Miami still has to show show Jake uh, that that it would be a good option for him. Let me ask you this: So you said you know you can't you just can't put in a crystal ball because your (laughs) crystal ball's already on Miami, dating back to last year. if you could, Wait, put you crystal, gonna, <laughs> if you could put in a crystal ball, do you have enough information? Basically, what I'm asking: Would you feel comfortable putting in a crystal ball for Miami right now, or do you need more information before you would do that? I think I would need more information. I, 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 I again, I think anything you're
0: putting in right now would be a projection. Yes. Um, okay. And you know, everyone wants to point out that he's moved across the country and that now now he's comfortable doing it. I mean heck, the kid's been in Georgia for less than two weeks. Like, let's, right. let's pump the brakes a little bit. So, no, I mean, you know, uh, anything I put in would, would not be with a, a, a high confidence score right now. But, I, I you know, like I said, I think on the last podcast or, or two podcasts before that, or maybe I, I even wrote this on the site, like Miami knew that Jake was moving to Georgia before that became public information. And that might not seem like a big deal, but to me it is. That means um, – there's some level of, of conversation that's going on right. more than just uh, text messages going back and forth here. So, right. uh, you know, I, if I had to bet, I think he would be um, the guy and there was another big quarterback storyline that kind of yeah. fell on, what was that? Friday, Friday Quinn, I think. Yeah. yeah Quinn Ewers, who is the number one ranked quarterback in the class of 2022. He's a guy Miami had offered, but he committed to Texas, picked Texas over Ohio State, and Clem, uh, Ohio State and Oklahoma. Excuse me. Why is that notable? Well, Quinn is now committed to Texas. Texas uh, is where another quarterback that Miami's after, Jalen Milroe, uh, right. he's committed there. So um, does that change anything? I kind of asked around. Didn't sound like it did. Um, but it's still, I think, a little notable because Jalen Milroe was not handpicked by the current offensive coordinator uh, at Texas, Mike Urich, and right. Quinn Ewers is. So um, that's something to keep in mind with all this, and we'll see. I think we're, what, five months away from the early signing period as yeah. of today, and uh, we'll, we'll, fig- we'll see where the quarterback dominoes
1: fall or, or what happens. Yeah, you, you and I have both preached patience, right? And, and the bottom line is if Miami's offense looks like what we think it could look like this year – Miami's probably going to be in a good spot with, with landing a talented quarterback. Um, But again, you're going to have to be patient for it and let the results speak for themselves. If they happen, you know, if, if Miami's offense goes out and does not look good, you're just not going to get a good quarterback anyways, period. So, um, you know, I think the, the continued message is patience. Uh, No, I mean, I already told you what I would do
0: if I was Miami, I'd be, on the phone with Jaden daniels uh the quarterback at arizona state (laughs) well sure i'd be i'd be trying to get him to transfer in
1: (laughs) yeah i i think even still they should they should do the transfer portal thing uh after this season you know and and, but yeah we've talked about that before Um, well i mean think of it like this
0: if you're jake garcia uh you know two months from now Miami would be what four, five and0, maybe with a win over Clemson, Jalen Knighton could have, <laughs> be putting up monster numbers, like you know why not? If that um,
1: happens, they're going to be in a good spot for Jake Garcia. I think that's fair to say, but that's a big if, right? We got to see it first.
0: Uh, who, who's like the last freshman running back for Miami to just have like a monster year? Um, a monster year?: Yeah, or like make an impact. True
1: freshman. Well, I think oh, true freshman. Well, Joe Yerby was decent, wasn't he? I, I forget if if Joe Yerby nearly cracked a thousand yards his freshman or sophomore year. I know Lamar Miller was good as a redshirt freshman. Um, but yeah, I mean, people I'll around you, you at, people around put you. US, spot. You are you are, which I'm fine with. Um, but yeah, I mean. And I'm not sure we want to put Jalen in in that category yet, right? But people around UM are very, very, very excited about Jalen Knighton. So I I think he's a guy, if you're a Miami fan, enjoy the ride for the next three or four years because there's a chance Jalen could be special. We'll see. All right, guys, that will do it for uh, this episode. I'm
0: sure we'll have another this week. Um, high school football is returning soon. So I'm trying to map out some potential, uh, stops. Um, so look forward to that coverage. And like David said, I mean, we're going to have full coverage of whatever is
1: going on with, uh, Miami, um, football. It's let me say like this month we got a we got a 50% off deal the whole month, right? So 24 seven, uh, this is the 10 year anniversary of 24 seven sports and so for the whole month of august you can get a vip subscription for a year at 50 percent off which is 53 bucks Um, i would encourage everyone to jump on board now because you know as we as we keep kind of alluding to there's a chance that this is going to be a really really fun year for miami uh on the field so just want to make everyone aware of that uh if you want to jump on board do the vip thing We're, we're having a lot of fun on the website lately and uh yeah andrew's that recruiting coverage between andrew and gabby is gonna ramp up soon with with high school football looking like it's it's gonna happen in some way so
0: Uh, i'll be like in some rural county like uh (laughs) staying like a motel six just trying to get scooped uh all right guys we'll talk to you later take care guys